This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. And welcome into another edition of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Spinner, alongside one of my good buddies, co-host Michael Burns. Mikey, how you doing tonight, my man? A little sore. Uh, had our first adult league baseball game on Sunday. I pitched one inning. One inning. How'd no you do? hits. No hits and three strikeouts. Any walks? No walks. No walks. So one, two, three. Oh no! Oh no! I'm sorry. I lied. I lied there. One hit. One hit. The okay. leadoff hitter hit the first pitch of the game, and then I proceeded to strike out the next three. Oh, Third man. guy, my catcher dropped strike three, so I had to face a fourth batter. Could have had a fourth <sighs> strikeout inning. But instead, I shattered the guy's bat for a ground out to second base. Atta baby. Atta baby. <laughs> what were you throwing? 95, 96? Uh, like, well, the, maybe uh, the inverse of that. <laughs> 69? <laughs> <laughs> <This> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, so welcome into episode 28. Uh, you missed us last week. We did have an episode with a, uh, again, talking with uh, the college kids from the thephillygodfather.com. But we didn't have a full episode because, Michael, you were on location. Can you tell our friends and listeners and our families where you were at? I was, special. On, I was on another work trip up to Boston. And okay. I can do a great Boston accent when I'm in that vicinity. But when I'm down back in Alabama, that's all I can do is an Alabama accent. <laughs> but I got to go up to Boston for work this time, though. I made it to Fenway. You did. And, Caught a uh, game. I, it was against the Cincinnati Reds. It seems to be the only team either of us can see play this year. <laughs> it was yeah. a great, great game. Um, I took the train into Boston. Mm-hmm. As I got on the train, I realized I didn't have my barrels and barrels hat on. Pissed. I was pissed. That's a got, rookie move. Got onto the subway, and I was going to get there like an hour early. I got on the subway, and the subway went down about halfway to Fenway. It was awful. We we sat we sat and we didn't move for twenty minutes. That's terrible. So I finally got there, got in, got got some food and a beer, and then the Reds went up eight to three. Oh, that was that game. Yes, wasn't it? Yeah. So it comes the ninth inning. I'm like, bro, it's eight to three. Let's catch the train and subway before the crowd hits. So he's like, all right. He didn't want to leave, but I was like, dude, come on, let's go. So we get on the subway. And we're watching, we're like, oh my gosh, it's 9 to 5. Oh my gosh, 9 6. And everyone on the subway is like, oh, we left early. But thankfully, we left early. <laughs> because if had we not left early, we would have an ex- we would have missed the last train of the night. Oh, Back wow. to our hotel. So, thankfully, the Red Sox didn't come back on the sub. It would have been a fun ending to watch. Yeah. But we caught the last train and didn't have to spend 80 bucks on an Uber instead. What did you think of Fenway? I haven't Fenway, been. I, I've been to Fenway. I went with in 2017 and did the Fenway tour. And uh, to sit on top of the monster would be awesome seats. Awesome. Yeah. They're about, I think, 400 bucks. We're going to have to reach out to our buddy Keith who lives in Boston, uh, who is also on Instagram at New England Whiskey. Uh, Keith, I know you're a listener. Uh, hook us up, man. I don't think you've got any hookups, but hook us up. Monster tickets. Monster. Monster. Put on the monster. 
front front row monster. I want to be able to lean over and and have a scare, uh, you know, that fear of heights a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if I could do that. Uh, <laughs> that's a long fall. Um, no, it hasn't happened yet, but at some point, uh, hopefully not. Hopefully. Well, next time but. they're playing the Reds, we'll we'll go. Yes, <laughs> that's in two years. That'll be in two years. We'll have to do it. Uh, so again, welcome into Barrels and Barrels, the Bourbon and Baseball podcast. This is episode 28, and as we've started the last couple episodes, we'll start with who is the best player to wear 28 in MLB history? Uh, I know you normally don't look this up ahead of time, Michael, so no, did you I do don't. some research on this one? I did not. I you can't didn't. believe it. I think there's three players, and I think there's really only one that you can discuss as the best because... Uh, one of them just retired and the other one's still playing, but the guy who deserves it, I think is a, a slam dunk in my mind. I'm, I'm thinking Burt Blevin. He's got the greatest. Oh, Burt by 11. Burt by, I don't even know who that guy is. Oh, he's a pitcher for the twins. He's the, uh, color analyst for the twins. Burt by 11. I think he was a uh, pitcher for the twins for like 18 years. That last name is a mouthful. Wait, wait. Yeah. so in the seventies and eighties, man, he pitched for a long time, 19 years. A 95.5 war, 287 in 250, a 331 ERA, uh, and 3,701 strikeouts. He is from the Netherlands. I didn't know that. Um, Bert was a uh, pitcher for the Twins, the Texas Rangers, the Pirates, the Indians at that point in time. Back to the Twins and then finished his career is a California Angel at the time. Uh, now they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, he never won a Cy Young, but uh, he should have in 1973. Uh, he had a 2.32 FIP. He had nine shutouts. Not just complete games. He had 25 complete games. He had nine complete game shutouts in 1973. The other names on the list for me would be Buster Posey and Nolan Arenado. But, yeah, uh, Nolan, Nolan Arenado popped out to me. And Nolan's only been in the league for like 10 years, so he does not get near Bly Levin's 18. Now, at the end of his career, that may be a discussion, but I think right now Bly Levin is your uh, your best 28. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard to argue that uh, that giant war on 19 years wearing the number. No yeah. one else besides one other guy with half the war comes close. Yeah, and he wore 22 while in Pittsburgh, it looked like, as well as for a year in Cleveland. So a majority of his career is the number 28, 94.54. So this is going to Burt Blylevin, a pitcher who was a right-handed pitcher, majority of his career for the Twins. And he's the uh, he's the color analyst for the Twins broadcast. He's really good. He's really good listen. So if you ever catch a Twins game, him and Dick Bremer, uh, pretty good booth up there. How old is that guy now? 72. Pitched in the 70s? Oh, yeah, he's getting up there. Born in 1951, April 6th. So he just turned 72 about two months ago. Grandpa Bert. Grandpa Bert. Uh, so thank you for joining in. If you made it this far into episode 28, we're seven minutes in. This is where we start to do a little bit of our... Uh, our promotion. Hey, find us on YouTube. We've been putting out a lot of content on YouTube. Since our last episode, we had 175 subscribers. Then, Michael, we're up to 221. So nearly 50. Woo, woo. And I remember talking push. about getting to 100, baby, like two months ago. Right. Let's go. Yeah. So if you're watching, hit the subscribe button below. We would love to uh, have you as a subscriber. And for those of you who do subscribe, I always say, I'll give you a shout out. Domo, Austin Dreyer, Joe Arrow, GT Mustang, Brett Drinkar, and Joanna. Uh, all those of you who have their profiles public, 
those are the names that popped up. So thank you to the 46 new subscribers. We're putting out exclusive content out there on YouTube that you can only see there sometimes on Facebook, but uh, not too often. And speaking of Facebook, we're now up to 459 followers. That's up from 400 a couple of weeks ago. So go follow us on Facebook at Barrels and Barrels Pod. That's where you can also find us on Instagram. And we are on Twitter as well at Barrels and Barrels. Again, the letter N in between all of that for Barrels and Barrels. Also, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and please, please, please leave us a rating. We're 15 out of 15, five stars on Apple's, and we finally made it to Spotify's like list of, we actually get a ranking now. We're at 10 out of 10, five-star right. approvals. So thank you to all of you. And if you're new, we'd love to get your ranking, your review. Let us know what you think. If you don't like us, if you do like us, tell us what you love. Tell us what you wish we could do better. Tell us what your favorite part of this show was, whatever it is. We'd love to have a review from you, uh, and uh, we'll share it. We'll read it out loud. We've done it before. Uh, Joseph Campbell left one that had us laughing our heinies off. Did I just say heinies? <laughs> he sure did. I'm trying. I'm trying to be this PG. I don't want to put the explicit in the title of the show. We can just start. We can start bleeping them out. We oh. could do that. It's just bleep out random words. Yeah. Not even like dirty words. Just bleep out a random word here or there and make people think that we said something nasty. Like heinies. <laughs> you could. You should probably bleep out heinies. <laughs> bleep. <laughs> Well, now you're the one who's saying hi, Michael. So you should bleep it out for both of our sakes. Okay, okay. Well, bleeping out, uh, we'll have to figure that out. But we're going to figure out what we think about this week's whiskey. We are going with one that's not distributed to too many people. I know it's getting wider uh, and wider when it comes to its availability. But we're going with Journeyman Distilleries, Corsets, Whips, and Whiskey. Um, this is from Journeyman Distillery like in Three Oaks, Michigan. Uh, yes. So the reason, I mean, the bottle itself, there's a lady in a corset with a whip, um, kind of sexual. But the reason it gets that name is because the distillery is located in an 1800s corset and buggy whip factory. Uh, that's what they turned the distillery, uh, turned that into the distillery. So that is what this is named after. Very high praise out of this. I got this bottle from Amanda, uh, Whiskey and Wander on Instagram, if you want to go check her out. I know she's not listening, but I'm going to tag her in this anyways. Uh, she doesn't listen, even though she she does support our podcast. She just doesn't listen. But <laughs> she got this. It's about $59.99 for a uh, MSRP. You can find it ranging from anywhere from 50 to 65 online. Comes in at 117 proof. But Michael... Do you know what the mash bill is on this puppy? It, where, where, uh, what state? Michigan. Are they? They're they're in Michigan. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be higher rye. We're gonna guess, just because it's in the north. If they're it's no aging rye. it in the north, it's no rye. Oh boy! So this is one hundred percent wheat whiskey. Oh boy! So this is not a bourbon. This is a whiskey because there's no corn in it, uh, and it's one hundred percent. So it's zero zero zero. 100 when it comes to the mash bill uh again 117 proof so this is cask strength and uh this is batch 57 bottle 1400 that we're trying again zero percent rye zero percent corn zero percent barley 100 percent wheat this has won a lot of awards recently it just won the ascot award for the best weeded whiskey 
uh, Best in Show Whiskey of the Year in 2022 uh, Ascot Awards, 2022 Best Wheat Whiskey Ascot Awards, as well as 2023 Gold Medal American Distilling Institute. So uh, yeah. a lot out there. This was Fred Minnick's number four American whiskey. I don't know what year it doesn't say, but uh, the Ascot Awards are also, I think, Minnick's Awards. So uh, very high praise for this. It's, again, 100% organic wheat. Um, it's supposed to be reminiscent of an Irish whiskey. Uh, and if you haven't um, checked out Journeyman Distillery, it's pretty cool. They've got a couple different campuses. I think they just built one where I went to college at Valpo uh, for like a tasting room or something like that. But my mom was the first person who ever hooked, like let me know about Journeyman. She does a, uh, a, a retreat for, she owns a hair salon. And she takes her staff one weekend a year to go do like some team building and go do, uh, so, you all right? Yeah, I just also like... It felt like a mini headache there for a second. Oh. Did you see it hit me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You looked like you got punched in the face, but there was no one punching you. Uh. <laughs> um, so she took her Moving staff on. there. She took her staff there. They have a loft that you can rent, like an Airbnb style, 18 guest house. Like it sleeps 18 people. Pretty yeah. cool. But uh, I haven't had their whiskey other than this, which, as you can see, I'm just cracking it open. I sent you the sample. I'm sending. It, I'm trying this for the first time. So oh, there we go. We'll see. We'll see what it's like. But uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I like. Cool. I like wheat, weeded bourbon, Maker's Mark, and such. So uh, I'm 100% wheat, is what you say, huh? Yes, sir. 100% wheat. So right off the bat, what do you get on the nose? Right off the nose, you scared me when you said it's reminiscent of an Irish whiskey. <laughs> is that me. that's right when you? Got felt like you got punched I, in the face. Yeah, that's when I sniffed it and was and uh, was thinking Irish was trying to pull Irish whiskey notes out of it. That that scared me. But I don't get that. I guess I'm I'm not. I usually you know we sniff it and we smell corn. Yeah. So this is very not going to get any of that. No. So this is. I think I get a little bit of a, a light caramel out of it on the nose, strong. Trying to decide what that finish smell is. It smells oily. I've got like an earthy citrus, flowery to me. I definitely get that citrus. My nose is a little messed up. I've been dealing with allergies. I did it again, dude. When I do that right nostril, it hits me on the you right side. You get like a right sinus? Yeah. Maybe you got a weed allergy. <laughs> I actually... Uh, like when when we started the podcast, I was scared that I was having like a gluten allergy all of a sudden grow. Oh boy! I like so, I was like, "Does that? Can you think bourbon and have a gluten allergy?" Yes, mm -hmm. yes, I think you can. Oh, you can. All the gluten in the distilling process removes it. So if you are gluten free, you can drink bourbon. So I was like, "Oh, cheers!" <laughs> it has a distinct like smell to it but i can't put my finger on what it is right like it's, it reminds me of so something different it's so different of being we all strong we like i'm staring at the maker's mark expecting it to smell like makers mm -hmm. and it's almost got like a like a grainy smell a little bit like a, I, I think I, I picture a farm farm crop field <laughs> when i'm <laughs> sniffing this thing which you should for everything Almost like a tea, like a tea leaf, maybe. Can you can you picture that? It, it's got. I, I don't know. Maybe like, I wouldn't like say tea, but it's it's tea. earthy to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, black tea is what I, that that note I'm getting. Right, I'm gonna go in. It hits. I mean, it's one seventeen, so it it drinks like a one seventeener, but it's not awful. Like right up, like I don't feel like I got punched. No, that's pretty good. That was tasty. I can't so, I can't tell you what the notes are. I was just <laughs> trying to judge it off the taste, but I wrote down toffee. Like that was the first thing that popped in my head. I could make. I could see toffee. Um, it's sweet. Mm-hmm. It's not overly sweet though, and that's what I like. Yeah, it's on the sweeter side. It's not overpowering and not syrupy tasting. No, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I, it's not too oily either. It's got good viscosity, I think. Like it coats your mouth. It's not terribly uh, overpowering. Sometimes I get more of it on the tip of the tongue. Sometimes it's more the back of the tongue. This one, it's very well-rounded all around. Uh, the volume of it's pretty good. The oak is good. Mm-hmm. You can get some oak out of it. Definitely mm-hmm. got some of the barrel. I still, it's I, I get a little bit of vanilla. Not strong vanilla, but a little bit of vanilla. I don't get that black tea that I smell. It definitely mm-hmm. smel- smells and tastes different. Are you getting any citrus on the palate? A little, but not not as much as I got on the nose. The right. nose and the palate seem like a Y, like a fork in the road, right? One is one direction, one's the other, but they come to meet right in the middle. I think it's very well-rounded, very delicious. It is. It is very delicious. I feel after, I haven't taken a sip in a while, and I feel like I'm hitting a, a dead end that it's not changing in my mouth anymore. It's almost hit like that, um, like it's flattened out all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. On the tip of my tongue, like dry, dried out. It's what's happened. A little bit. Uh, I, I would say probably the finish is the one part of it I think that is lacking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think it's very good. Um, I, I wish there was just a little more to the finish. I do get a little more of a sweetness to it. Uh, the second pour and the second sip, but man, that's really good. Yeah, I would. I would. I'm going to go right off, right out and say I would rate this an everyday player because I would recommend this bourbon to somebody. Yes. So Michael goes with an everyday player. If you're new to our podcast, we do a rating scale off of baseball kind of standards. Hall of Fame, top of the class. Uh, that is the best of the best. No, we haven't rated one yet. Haven't we done haven't one made yet. It we, we We've been close. One that was close. Yes. We one, one that was really that was close. Really close. But, Didn't pop uh, that Hall chair. Of, we were scared. Nah. <laughs> we were very scared. Uh, Hall of Famer, top of the top, all-star, second best, right? Everybody's got a, an all-star. Those are those bottles that uh, are the ones that you are the most excited to share with others, the most excited to pop open, sometimes maybe ones you wait a little too long to open. Uh, everyday player is just <laughs> like an everyday player in your lineup. He's there every day. It's something that you're not drinking every day, but one of those that's always on your bar, something that uh, you're always going to want there. Then bench player, just like a player in baseball who's a bench player, doesn't start every day. It's not something you're going to pour every day or every week, maybe every other couple weeks, maybe once a month, but it's something to mix up the lineup, mix up your pours, and then finally designate for assignment, which means you're cut off the team, uh, yeah. just like Gary Sanchez. And uh, go Wait, find... Is, did, did Gary Sanchez get cut from the Padres? No, but he's been okay, cut like sorry. three times yeah. this year, I think. Yeah. So uh, he's Mr. DFA this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Michael goes with an everyday player. Uh, very interesting. Um, I think what's I lacking. A... Hold on, hold on. Before you, what may almost would have made this an all star is like you said, the finish. 
If it would have had a lingering, got some tropical citrus to finish, it would have been there. But it, it hits, it dries out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the front is delicious. I get a little bit more baking spice out of this now, like a, like a cloves kind of taste. Yeah, uh, almost maybe a little bit of nutmeg on the back end. Uh, and maybe that's very what, good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I am so going to go with going? an everyday everyday player as well. Cheers, sir. So. Cheers, everyday players. There we go. And big shout out to Journeyman Distillery. Uh, if you haven't seen a bottle, uh, reach out to Amanda or or Derek or anybody in the. <laughs> I think they distribute into the Chicago area now too. So our Chicago okay. listeners, I would check this out. They've got a ton of whiskey. Uh, they've got a I wheat did whiskey. See it they've at got Benny's. a bourbon. I'm pretty sure I saw it. You at did see it. Bur- okay. Uh, I know they've got um, a brandy. One thing I have tried from them is what my mom got me is an apple cider which was very good, uh, an alcoholic apple cider, which she brought to me after they had went. And I think she's talking about going back. If not, they've already been back, but they've got uh, a full rye. They've got, it's called Kissing Cousins Whiskey, uh, Three Oaks Single Malt. They've got Silver Cross, which looks like a, a regular whiskey, Featherbone, which is their bourbon. And Featherbone, I believe, is the name of the, the place that they bought, which is where bourbon. the distillery was. Yep. That's their bourbon. They've got uh, not a king whiskey, corset whips and whiskey, and then big or buggy whip wheat, which I think this is the cask strength version of buggy whip week. Did this wheat. drink like 117 to you? It hits up front like 117, but I think it mellows out towards the back end. Usually I would find it reverse, right? Right. Uh, I think it drinks right at 115, 117, not overpowering, but there's a you can tell there's a little bit more of a kick. You wouldn't recommend this to somebody who drinks Basil Hayden, you know, regularly and is at the 80 proof. Four Roses small batch at 90, 92. Right. They'd be like, oh man, it's yeah. like alcohol. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> uh, this is a good pour. This is a good pour. So cheers, Journeyman. Cheers, Michael. We found another everyday player right in our lineup. Again, check out Journeyman Distillery, Three Oaks, Michigan. Uh, really cool stuff. And if you're ever in Three Oaks, uh, go ch- check out their uh, their living quarters because I think you can rent out multiple different like Airbnbs there. Ooh. Can you imagine like having a like a weekend trip to a distillery and you're staying in the distillery? That could be uh, troublesome. Not bad. Yeah, it could be troublesome. Could be very fun though. Very fun and very trouble. <laughs> Speaking you can do of trouble, both of those in the same time. You can do both of those in the same time. You could. You could. Yes. Speaking of trouble, Luis Arias has been trouble for pitchers the last couple of months and really last couple of seasons. He's coming into today batting 401, Michael, and he's now a member of the Marlins. Who holds the Marlins single season batting average title? Who has the highest batting average ever in a single season for the Miami Marlins, formerly the Florida Marlins, formerly sell everybody and then I should again. be able to get this because they are not an old team they're 1994 yeah yeah um I, I just gotta go with the man who started there Miguel Cabrera so Miguel Cabrera is your guess yes that's correct is that your final answer that is my final answer that is incorrect uh Hanley He's... Ramirez oh which I would have, I totally forgot about. I, yeah. He was such a stud. He was number one prospect, and he just kind of, after his time in Miami, it just kind of went away. 
He played with yeah. Boston for a while, and I think he won the World Series with the Red Sox. But yep. he hit three forty two in 2009, and that wasn't even the best batting average in the league that year. Three forty two. Oh, the game has changed. Yeah. Yep. So 2009, I know that uh, Ichiro was above him. And uh, was it Miggy? Somebody hit like 360 that year. Chipper Jones, Albert Pujols. That was the age of uh, high average guys where MVP would hit like 340, 350, 330, 336. I can just picture it. Yeah, like... Constantly batting average that year was Joe Mauer, three sixty five led the league. Remember Joe Mauer? Yeah, three sixty five that year too. I'm, I'm, I bet two thousand nine. Two thousand nine was LeBron James. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Joe Mauer won two thousand nine MVP, and I think that was also Pujols in the NL. Pujols, uh, Pujols, yeah, uh, Pujols and Joe Mauer. So. That has been our trivia question, and that's going to lead us right in to our baseball talk. So we just talked about Luis Arias. He's batting 401 going into play today. Very impressive. 85 for 212. So in 212 at-bats, he's got 85 hits already through 55 games. That, uh, I think it's up to 58 games that he's played in now. Incredible. 400, 401. Yeah. Uh, when's, when, do you know the last player that hit 400? Ted they Williams. Keep talk, they keep talking about. Was it Ted Williams? He was in a season. It was Ted Williams. Yeah. We hit four oh six. I think it was in the seventies. I don't know about this late into the season, uh, but it wasn't Bellinger hitting close to it going into June in his mm-hmm. MVP year yep. in twenty nineteen. Yep, into June, and that's where he fell off. Yeah. So I was thinking, do you think that Arise is the modern day Tony Gwynn? I feel like Tony Gwynn hit for like more power a little bit when i look at Luis luis arias's line mm-hmm. i've got it right here he's hitting year to date where'd it go it's 401 oh, 451 495 is his slash line is he hit is he slashing for or slugging 495 mm-hmm yeah in 401 in, four, i mean that's a great line i don't know what i'm talking about but he's only got the one home run i guess I yeah. expected him to be higher. If we're getting 401, I expected him to be a better fantasy player. Yeah, he's got 15 doubles. So of his 85 hits, 15 of them are doubles, one triple, one homer. He did hit the cycle earlier. The only reason I say is Tony Gwynn's first couple of years in the league, one home run, five home runs, six home runs, 14 home runs, seven, really? seven, four, 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 six, seven. In the back end of his career... In 97, 98, 99, he went 17, 16, 10. Uh, but those were really the highest years he's ever had home run-wise. He only hit double-digit home runs five times. He's only got 135 in his career. Now, of course, Arise has only been in the league for five years now. So he's much younger. He's got a long way to go. He's 26. Uh, Gwynn played, what is it, 20 seasons? Uh, so he's got the other, 16 the other, seasons to go. Yeah, the other Gwynn-like statistic is the guy doesn't strike out. Like Tony Gwynn doesn't didn't strike out. Yeah, his so Arise's career is a three twenty six, three eighty four, four twenty one. Tony Gwynn was three thirty eight, three eighty eight, four fifty nine overall. So, but he had better slugging numbers towards the back end of his career when he started to hit for power. Arise, like you said, doesn't strike out. He walks quite a bit too. Uh, mm-hmm. I think. 
No one's ever going to replace Tony, but I think he is our modern day Tony Gwynn. He's if got he had 19... to put a player to it. Yep, absolutely. For perspective, he's walked 19 times this year. He's been intentionally walked five. So that's 24 walks. He's struck out 11 times. So he's got more than double the amount of walks that he does strikeouts. One of those strikeouts and... is a broadcaster's fault. He mentioned he hasn't struck out in like 20 at-bats and boom, struck out. Tony Gwynn struck out 434 times in his career. He walked with intentional walks just about 1,000. So they're pretty close strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, I think he's the modern day Tony Gwynn. Yeah, you can't. There's no one else you can pin it to, and uh, he won the silver. So now, when's the last time the silver slugger was traded away last year? You know, like yeah, uh, Rice was. Yeah, he was the batting champ, and then the S- silver slugger, I think, for second base last year for the the Twins. Um, where he he's he's played first base a little bit this year, but he's predominantly a second baseman, and I think that's where he's played most of the year this year as well. Because that was one thing that they talked about when he got traded was because they had Jazz at second base, right? Jazz Chisholm. Right. Uh, and they were going to have the, the log jam in the middle of the field. But he's predominantly played at second base. Right. He's so. played actually 55 games, 55 appearances at second. Only two two games has he yeah. appeared at first base. If only 14 innings at first base, and I think he's DH'd a little bit. He's got time at shortstop and at third base in the majors, even left field. Uh, but I expect more of the just second base. And he's a great player to have. He's just not a power hitter, but that 401 so far. You can't complain. Nope, can't complain and at that, all. That's not short sample, folks. That's, nope. that's full season. Yeah, uh, insane. And he's towards the, I mean, he leads the league, obviously. Who's in second? Let me just sort these stats. 332 for Bo Bichette. So it drops 70 points, basically, to the second highest average in the league. Yeah, that's... Uh, Insane. Yes, absolutely. In, in today's also, age of strikeouts and uh, home run reliant guys, yeah. in today's game, Luis Urias could be, you know, in today's game, that being so homer reliant... And power mm-hmm. reliant, Luis Urias could hit for 400 and probably be benched. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty like if he wasn't consistent like he has been, you could totally be like, yeah, yeah not getting enough power. Speaking of power, though, uh, a guy who has been tearing it up, especially the last couple of weeks, Marcus Simeon's 25-game hit streak. Do you know who last year had the longest hit streak in baseball and what it was? This is kind of an impromptu trivia question. I feel like it's actually a Cubs player. Mm-mm. I feel like, no, it's not Swanson. No. No. He plays the same position, though. Shortstop. Longest at, uh, on base streak. Mm-mm. Hitting. Hitting streak. Hitting streak, yes. He plays It was Trey Turner. It was Trey Turner, really. Yeah, 26 last year. So, Simeon's getting close. 25. But the line that Simeon's putting up, not just Incredible. giving hits... 304, 372, 504. His 3.2 F4 is tied for the best in baseball. Nine home runs. He scored 55 runs so far this year. 50 driven in. Boy, are the Rangers getting the money out of that contract. Oh, my goodness. The, the Rangers. Um, uh, Marcus Simeon is going off. He is, uh, you know, fantasy-wise, a top top asset. And if that translates mm-hmm. well... Um, Overall, the Texas Rangers are just destroying the baseball right now. Yeah, 
Uh, so they're getting very good production. But they've signed him and Corey Seager in the same offseason. They gave Simeon seven years, $175 million. So he's making an annual average around $25 million. He's putting up more than that. His war right now would already equate to $25 million, I believe. Who Did you see Simeon being the better? I mean, I guess Seager's been hurt, so it's hard to say that. But right now, Simeon's the better player. He's totally the better player. And... Before he signed with the Rangers, he had an MVP type of year in Toronto. Right. He had like 45 home runs. I think he batted like 265, but had an OPS near 900. He had a hell of a year. Yeah, 6.2 war. And in 2019 in Oakland, he had a 6.6 war. The 2020 season, he kind of threw out because of the COVID stuff where he still hit seven home runs. He just had a rough batting average that year. But yeah, I mean, out of the two, I would have expected if he was healthy. I would have expected Seager to be a little bit better, but his health has not been there his entire career. He's missed that's years his mo. Time. Yep. Yeah, so and maybe I think Simeon. I think Simeon was I thought maybe a little bit of an overpay. He did the one he did that all in one year, mm-hmm. um, but hey, he's an he's an Oakland Oakland product. He was drafted by Oakland, traded to Toronto. Mm-hmm. No, he was drafted by the Chicago White Sox. Do you know who he was traded to Oakland for? Jeff Samarja. Really? Yeah. He played two years with the White Sox. His rookie year was 2013. Yeah, he was oh, a shortstop for the White Sox. I was just about to give props to the Oakland scouting because <laughs> they seem like they scout, they draft, they develop, and trade. Yep. Well, they traded him, yeah, 2011, sixth round, 20th pick overall, so 201 overall to the White Sox. He was traded for Jeff Samarja, I think, along with Chris Bassett to the Oakland Athletics. Oh and uh, in that Samarja trade, which looks pretty bad for the White Sox right now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he spent seven seasons in Oakland, uh, had pretty good numbers, 15 home runs, 27, 10, 15, 33. Then he went to Toronto, hits 45. I mean, juice ball yeah. era. <laughs> he's got 195 career home runs. So uh, he's an MVP candidate this year right now. Oh, Him and absolutely. Wander lead the league in war at 3.2 Acuna 2.9 yeah do you know who's ninth on the list at least fan graphs war Dansby Swanson yes you have it open right now (laughs) no I don't have it up I don't have it up I think I just know I just know that that Dansby's up there yeah that surprised me and then Corbin Carroll at 10th and we'll talk about the Diamondbacks here in a little bit even Jonah Heim in 11th so that Texas Rangers lineup man between Heim Jung uh Adelise when Seager's been healthy, he's been producing. That is a, but bad news for the Texas Rangers. Jacob bad DeGrom. news. Oh, I mean, uh, Mr. Glass, man. What did, what did you, what I was did you gonna, send me yesterday? I was going to make a reel about him from the Little Giants, the bubble bubble wrap kid. Yep, Don't be talking about up. my mama. That kid? <laughs> yes. He, he, he got hit the first day or something or signed up for football and then showed up and absolutely like move, he looked like a moving uh, package bubble wrap roll. Yeah. He he's like waddling, wasn't he? Like as mm-hmm. he walked to the field. Yeah. E, 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 e. Poor guy though. I mean He was emotional about it yeah, in the press conference. Ex- yeah, I think we posted that on our Instagram story. It's, Very emotional. It's his second Tommy John. I didn't realize that it was the second time he John. Yeah, because I think he got drafted and needed it when the Mets drafted him. And that's why he was late to the Mets coming up because he spent a year and a half out. So he's likely out 
through the middle of next year. If not, when did when did Bueller have his surgery last year? Um, he's coming back this September, so I want to say it was June or July of last year. Yeah, so it's usually about twelve to fourteen months. Uh, Degrom's also older though, thirty four. He's about to be thirty five. You don't heal quite as fast. You don't bounce back as fast. He, he, I mean, when he was healthy this year, he had a 1.57 FIP and a 2.67 ERA, which isn't bad either. And he pitched six games. He has a 1.4 war. That's how, I mean, that's how great he it's is. In six games. In Nearly six two. games. Yeah. He just hasn't been healthy, and he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't pitched more than 100 innings since 2019. In 92, in, in 2021, that was the year that he was incredible. Or 2021, excuse me. 91 innings, and he had a f- ERA of 1.08, and he had a 4.9 war. What a huge kind blow. of season could he put up if he would have pitched 200 innings? It probably would look a lot like what he did in 2018. A 1.70 ERA, 217 innings. That was his Cy Young year. 10 and 9, though. That tells you how bad the Mets offense was. He had a Imagine if the war. Cubs would have traded Baez for him in 2015. Probably still win the World Series. In 16, we probably still won the yeah. World Series. And we might be, yeah. we don't trade for Quintana in 16. And Kevin Dunn in 17. In 17, 18, 19 were his three best seasons by far. Oh, man. Yeah. 17 what, was what actually what, his worst. What a could have should right there, right? Huh? Yeah, now, did you well, see the barstool baseball theory of what before this was before he they posted this before it was announced about Degrom because Degrom was throwing bullpen sessions. I'm guessing that he was trying to determine if he could heal instead of having surgery. But yeah. there was the theory that his chi- first his first child was just born, I think, in the spring, and that he was on paternity leave, and they were just they didn't want to show that Degrom's taking his full 12 weeks allowed. Huh. And the day, the day or the day after that theory was posted, it was announced TJ. So it was like, oh, okay, Ooh. just kidding. Ouch. Yikes. Oh, well, that's a bummer. Either you way. Hope, you wish it was a fraternity leave instead. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've seen a couple people say, do you think he's better off going the John Smoltz route when he comes back? Just be a closer. I think so. I mean, can you imagine that? After one inning, just come out and you're done. You he's just... throwing 100. He might throw faster than he's already throwing oh, 100, yeah. 101. He yeah. might be a Chapman kind of guy, 103. Yeah. And he's got command. And that's what's incredible. Like Chapman was just checking it at 100. He could even be like a six out, an eighth and, right. and ninth. The first eighth and ninth inning closer. closer. Yeah. But I don't know if you could bounce back on back to back days with that, though. It would be. It'd no, be that's true. That's true. It would be difficult. But. Yeah, that's that's one route. He's got that $185 million deal five years, so he's still got four seasons left to go. Will he make it? That's the big question. So they'll get three seasons out of him. Yeah. yeah. For $185 million. And this year they could potentially make the playoffs and go on a deep run, and they're not going to have their ace. It's just a huge depth hit because not only him, but uh, Kumar Rocker just had Tommy John, didn't he? Yep. And he was like their depth piece who would be up late next year too. So like he's delayed. Uh, you got lighter still on the minors though. They've got depth. It's just not, you get rid of the it's best just, pitcher just in baseball. You lost 50% of it. They yeah. had four studs. Whole win yeah. is their other one. Yep. And uh, I mean, 
you, if you're a Rangers fan, you got to be saying, thank God for Nathan Avaldi. Yes, absolutely. And, and John Gray. Drafty John eight. Gray's been great. Uh, but boy, rough, rough luck there. Um, this is not really rough luck, but an MLB pitcher just got demoted to rookie ball. Yeah, uh, I've I've been I've been feeling that one. Uh, yeah, easier. all year. May I remind everybody? I want to rewind or flashback just to week nineteen or our episode nineteen, I believe is what it was. There's belt. I think Manoa takes another step. He finished third or fourth in Cy Young last year, and I think this year he takes the crown. Michael's Cy Young pick was Alec Manoa, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no. <laughs> I did this to him. Yes. My own guy. You did. You picked your entire fan, uh, fantasy lineup, I think, for I all the awards. I almost did. I almost did. I don't have yeah. Austin Riley. No. But, yeah, uh, Manoa was, I mean, he was third in Cy Young last year. Absolute stud. Mm-hmm. The year prior was his rookie year. He won eighth out of all rookies. I mean, it just made sense. Take the next step up and be the stud yeah. of the league. Yeah. And I mean, he's the stud. He's that. He's just the stud of the Florida Complex League. Mm-hmm. FCL. I, I think a lot of that is not because it's the the level. I think that's where they have all of their data analysis products and all their like systems in Florida. Cause that's where their, um, uh, spring, spring training facility is. So I think that's more of a, Hey, you need to go figure something out and come back up here. At, at yeah. A later that's date. like, if you're going to be converted in the, if you're in double A, they did it with a Cubs reliever, a Cubs starter. He, uh, they converted him to a reliever by sending him back to their development complex. And mm-hmm. then he came back back to the same level. Because that's where they send all their rookie level players to go get all the data on that. I think, I think he'll bounce back. I do think the pitch clock really effed with him, or at least had to something mentally. Did. And I think a lot of it has probably got mental over the last couple of weeks, right? It and all the comments about his weight. Yeah. So, rough, rough, rough. Thirteen, ooh, thirteen games pitched, one and seven. He's got a six three six ERA. More hits than innings pitched. Yeah. he's. It's the peripherals, too, that are rough. His walk rate is up 6.52 per nine, so he's, like, not throwing strikes. He's giving up home runs at an astronomical rate. His FIP is a 6.53, which is worse than his ERA. So he's gotten lucky, theoretically, regarding the results of his 6.36 ERA. Ouch. Yeah, Tough luck his, for him. Uh... A, a great thing to look at of of looking at those rates is a uh, baseball savant and they show hard hit rate slugging percentage against him. Um, his, his barrel rate is uh, down to 33%. Not good. Hard hit mm-hmm. percentage is 27%. Everything. If you look at this page is in blue. Anyway, yeah. Well, where's his good. velocity rates comparative way to last year do you know is that easy I to don't find no uh I, that no, would be I, one thing that i would look up and i remember last week we i was talking with matt from the college kids they've been fading him or for those of you who don't gamble betting against him because of the statistics and what they've been noticing i bet so, they've been making money uh they have they have <laughs> i won money last week on on the brewers against him but uh moving forward <laughs> Uh, he's going to be a fixture in if the Blue Jays are going to be successful going forward, they're going to need him to be who he is and yeah. not this guy. 
And that's partially why they haven't had as much success to start the year. Because theoretically, if you turn seven of those losses, say he's one and seven, you get give him three more wins, right? And that team's right up there at the top middle They're of that in second division. place. Yeah. They're in second place. So yep. all it takes is a couple games here or there. Man, that's rough. Oof. Rough. Yes. It's not so rough. It's prospect season, buddy. We're now to the point where teams are calling up their best players, their best prospects. I was extremely happy to be invited last night to go see Ellie's first game. For those of you listening in who don't know who I'm talking about, Ellie De La Cruz, who... Monster. I'm telling you, man. I've been impressed by one or two players just by looking at them in a personal setting. Luis Robert was one of them. The other one is Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie <laughs> makes everybody on that field look like a child. I, like a did child. I say? Did I send you the picture of him standing next to Matt McClain? You sent me the picture of them at the national anthem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like four guys. Matt McClain is theoretically five foot eleven. Ellie's six foot five, and he makes Matt McClain look like one of those kids who goes to a ballpark and like gets to go on the field before the game and get an autograph next to his player like, at that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he literally looked like he was a child next to Ellie. But Ellie De La Cruz, he's the fourth overall MLB prospect. Some have rated him as the top two. Some had him as the best prospect, depending on service time and all of that. But what an impressive talent, man. Uh, and I guess you, see you got to saw him live. Yeah, I get to see him in person, see his MLB debut. The guys at work who cover him uh, for sports have talked about him since spring training because they saw him in spring training. And he – I've already heard the lore. Go ahead. Yeah, typically in fantasy baseball, prospects are owned, like owned by a percent amount of teams, like 20, 30, 40. Mm-hmm. 40% if you're really good. This guy, before he before he was even called up, was 80% owned. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew the hype train was coming and wanted a piece of it. So think of O'Neill Cruz just better, I think. Mm-hmm. That's when the the hairstyle, I think, helps that. Yeah. He plays shortstop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you sent that video of, of and posted that video of his double. Not only was the, the exit velocity impressive, that dude was moving. Dude, he is so fast. It's so hard to describe how impressive of an athlete this guy is. His double yesterday, which is first career hit, and you can find that on our YouTube page, 112 miles per hour off the bat. That's the hardest hit ball by a Reds player all year. In his by a first, Reds player? Or? By a Reds player the whole year. That's the hardest wow. hit ball by a Reds player. He got to first from home to second base. I think with a top speed of like 30.4 miles per hour or something. Like 30? That. Yeah, dude. I, 30. Maybe I'm re- reading the metrics wrong and messing up the metrics, but. I mean, 25 was, is humanly possible. So 30, yeah, I mean. Dude, I swear he took three steps and he was standing on second base. Mm-hmm. And he, he tried his, for his a calipers. Thinking, were, yeah, his brake calipers were red hot when he threw on those brakes oh, yeah. when he was after second base. And he's got a cannon. He's playing third base right now because the the Reds actually have a log. I will give you this. The Reds lineup is sneaky good. Sneaky yes. good. You get Joey Votto back. They're log jammed. If you get Joey Votto back, you've got a offense that can compete with anybody. Your question, 
for the Reds is the pitching. And they're in third place right now, only like four games back in the division. It's a terrible division, but the, the atmosphere at Great American Ballpark last night was electric. And that's, they shut down, like, I don't know if you heard this, but Reds.com, the website crashed because the amount of people trying to buy tickets to the game yesterday. Oh, wow. So I do have a conspiracy theory about this. Yes. Oh, this weekend they're on the road. Uh, but I'm going to try to go see them again tonight. For those of you listening, this is Wednesday, June 7th that we're recording. I think this will drop on the 8th, uh, depending on how fast I can edit and turn this. I'm going to try to do this as most unedited as possible. But uh, it was electric. What I will say is I do, I do want to throw some shade at ownership. So... I don't think Ellie needed to prove anything from the last two weeks. In the month of May, the dude struck out 25 times. He had 20 walks. Yeah, hard to... When you're a power hitter, you'll take that any day of the week. One, he should have been up, one? He should have been up a week ago. Here are his uh, minor league numbers this year. 297, 398, 633. Yep. Uh, so his OPS is 1,000... 31 in what was it 50 games in the minors uh 38 that's for the whole year for the whole year 12 home runs 38 runs 11 stolen bases uh, a walk percentage of 14 percent in the minors he struck out 27 percent, but i'll take 14 and 27 any day of the week if you're hit putting up those numbers i don't think he needed to prove anything so here's my thing ownership castellini's last year they were the guys who were like oh Go find somebody else. We'll move the team if you're going to be unhappy, right? And that's been a lot of Cincinnati Reds fans like ire. I've had a lot of people say, I haven't gone to a game since he made that comment just because he's a jackass. Right. So. Explicit. Yep. Yep. Explicit. There's the beep. That's the beep that we should do. Uh, But so here's my conspiracy theory. So Friday is when he should have been called up. That was their first home game back. But Friday night, they had a Zach Brown Band ALS benefit concert after the game. They broke attendance records at Great American Ballpark. They had like 44,000. So we're not going to waste it on that. Saturday was Joey Votto bobblehead day. We're already going to have a high ticket attendance right there. Sunday is already a Sunday day game in the middle of summer, basically. Kids are out of school. It's going to be a higher attendance so I, I even tweeted this out on our Twitter page. Go check it out. Tommy retweeted it, called it. I said he's going to be called up most likely Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I thought Monday was going to be the day. But the only reason they didn't call him up Monday, they needed a starter. And they made a prospect. They called up their sixth best prospect that you put a reel out for, Abbott, the left-handed pitcher. So why waste two prospect debuts? So let's call him up on Tuesday. And what did they do? They called him up yesterday, made his major league debut. He's not going back down. He's here, and what's crazier is they're going to do the same damn thing with Encarnacio Strand in a week and a half. I guarantee it. In a week and a half, yeah, he needs to be up as well, and yeah, that just adds even more to that Reds long jam. But that's it's same thing of ownership did through a different way. Um, Jordan Walker, mm-hmm. uh, number number one overall prospect in baseball. He was he made the opening day league opening day roster for the Cardinals. Everyone, oh, all right, good job, Cardinals, showing that you guys are making the difference and bringing up your, your prospects that deserve to make it opening day. 
Mm-hmm. And for some reason, what a couple weeks later, he got sent down. He was not doing terrible. He did not deserve to be sent down. About a, uh, so he spent about a month in the minors. The day that the Cardinals now get an extra serv- uh, an extra year of control, he's mm-hmm. called up. He spent a hundred. I spent over just a month in the minors and won't get the required one seventy two days on the MLB roster. Yep. It's not like he was tearing it up at AAA either, though. That's a crazy thing. He's only hitting two thirty nine with four home runs and twenty seven hits. So, I mean, he's been struggling. They uh, acted like so. Did you hear they why why they sent him down was they wanted him to lift the ball more, is what they said. So they were trying to change the guy's swing who was hitting 280 in the majors. Yeah. Yeah. That's Cardinals. Yeah. Hey, I'm not complaining. I'm okay with it. <laughs> 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 I am not complaining. Uh, boy. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to go back to the Reds a little bit, not to yeah. make this a Reds love fest, but um, so Christian Encarnacio Strand, he, <laughs> so this lineup. They're playing Spencer Steer, who's also a rookie, who's having an incredible start to his career in left field. When So they're going to have Votto. They have Jonathan India, who's an all-star, basically. Shortstop Matt McLean, who's a rookie, who had the walk-off hit. Last night's game was incredible. You're starting uh, De La Cruz at third base. They've got this guy, Christian Encarnacion Strand, who in the minors, get these are his numbers this year, 352. 408 716. He's slugging 716. His OPS is over 1,100. Uh, it's 1.124. He's striking out 23% of the time. He's walking 8% of the time. He's got 15 home runs, 39 RBIs in 38 games. So he needs to be up too. But yep, they're not going to call him up. His last 10 games, he's hitting 368. 510 on base and 789 slugging percentage his last so, 10 games. So what else do you have to prove? Nothing. Right. But the Reds, uh the Reds, here you know, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. The Reds come back home uh and they will be playing at home against the Rockies on June 19th. I am saying it here on our podcast. I'm writing it down. June 19th will be the day that Christian Encarnacion Strand makes his major league debut. If they were smart, they'd do it on this Friday versus the Cardinals because you do it on the road. That's what I that's what I thought you should do for a prospect like Ellie. Take the pressure off him, get him used to the everyday grind of the major leagues and then have him come home. But because the um the greediness of ownership, they're not going to call him up until they've got a chance to make money off of it. And if you look at what they've been doing, they're they're fighting for the division lead right now. So if mm-hmm. you care about the game, they have the best record uh the best record in the NL Central for the month of May. Mhm. They were over 500. That game, but no that only the Cardinals were uh, were t- they were tied with the Cardinals for the record. <laughs> but yeah, no and that's how bad the NL Central is. Mm-hmm. So the Reds have it's theirs for the taking. So get your best players in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, you've got a chance to be a surprise team in the playoffs. and You need to have them up. I mean, it's going to... going to figure it out. Yeah, well, that's their biggest weakness right now, I think, is pitching. Is You've got Lodolo on the IL. You've got Hunter Green, who just got his first win of the season on, like, 
game number 11. Uh, yeah. And um, Graham Ashcraft. Ashcraft. You got a three-headed monster there, and you just and called up Abbott. Abbott. just came out, yep. And Luke Weaver pitched last night, who got shelled. But you've got the making. Their bullpen needs a little bit of work, I think. But that Reds team, I've seen them in person a lot because I've gone to the games. They're close. And if the Cubs and the Cardinals don't take it seriously, they're going to be in trouble the next couple of years because that Reds team is coming. That Reds team is is got a chance in the next couple of years to make waves. That's exciting. That that's got to be exciting for you who just moved, you know moved there recently to have yeah. a, a good team to go watch. Yeah, well, that was the crazy thing. Like, so I've never lived in a city where. Someone literally, my neighbor called me yesterday at five forty-five. The game was at seven oh five. He called me. He goes, "Hey," I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "You want to go see the number one prospect in baseball? Go make his major league debut." I was like, "Yes." <laughs> we were like the twenty-fifth row behind the dugout. It was they were great seats. Go check out the videos on YouTube. We put them on. I think I put them on every social media page because <laughs> it was. I was just so it, excited. It was great. It was great content. It, oh, See, man. Ellie, Ellie skate around the bases and what was what I will say is Ellie's first at bat. So you've got runners on first and third. You're down three to nothing at that point, I believe. Uh, it, it was three to one at that point. You're down three to one. Your major league debut. You're batting fourth in the lineup, and I think this was only the fifth time since 1900 that a rookie that young was making his major league debut batting cleanup like the fifth time ever. And it was the first time in Reds history. He takes a walk. He was down 0-2 in the count. He worked a walk as a rookie. Like what kind of professional at bat is that? Like where you're you have the you, calm, cool collected in your debut. Right. Just, and he took a couple of tough pitches. Oh, a couple of them were not competitive pitches, but like, to work yourself back from O two where he hacked and he took he's got a mean swing. If he makes contact, that ball's gone. It's like a hundred and twelve mile per hour. That was a frozen rope off the wall. And he and the the I think Hayward was in center field last night. He got the ball back quick, and Ellie was debating going for third. Right, that's how the fast ball, he is. In your video, you can see the ball still is floating. Looks like it's still rising as it's going across the outfield. Yeah, it was. It was a solid rope, and I called it a laser beam. It was an absolute missile. So it's going to be fun. I'm going to try to catch him tonight. Uh, so go if you haven't looked up Ellie highlights. That's my call for those of you listening. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, and I'm gushing over a Reds player. That just tells you how awesome of a guy this is going to be. He's got a perennial All Star and MVP candidate written all over him if he can stay healthy. I, he's he's going to be exciting to watch. Um, mm -hmm. Good baseball that you want to that you want to put on your TV. If you need something to put on, that's what you want. Is Ellie De La Cruz? So Ellie, part of the Reds, who are jumping up my power ranking standings, but they're not in the top ten. Let's go right into our top ten power rankings. Michael Burns. I'm pretty sure we're probably similar, like we've been the last couple of weeks regarding power rankings. Looking at my list. Uh, I do have a couple of flip-flops and some changes from last week. We didn't have a podcast last week, but we did put it, put it on, on social media. Who Are we still holding the the Rays in first place? I debated going Texas first, but I still kept Tampa in, in my first place. I, I did just do the same thing of debating Texas because they put 30 runs up in three games against the Seattle Mariners. Mm -hmm. 30 runs. Yep, and that's a pretty good um, pitching staff. 
I'm pretty right. good. That's very good pitching staff. Very good. And but the Rays still have enough of a lead record wise that they stayed number one. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's the above five hundred um record for the Rays that is that's kind of why I kept them in first. There's something like twenty five and sixteen or something against players uh, up against teams with a 25 and 13. Yeah, 25 and 13 against teams that are 500 and better. That's a 600 winning percentage against the best teams in baseball. Not yep. just like the crummy teams. Remember earlier when we were making these rankings, we were like, well, they haven't really played anybody. Now they've played 38 <laughs> games against it. teams and they've proven it. One thirty-two run differential. Texas, the only reason I was so close, they, they don't have the best record, but plus 155 run differential, the most runs in baseball. They're number two, yep. but... I was close. I was this close to being the oddball, oddball and going and flip-flopping them. But a four-game lead is hard to beat. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Who's your third-place team? Last week, I had Baltimore. This week, I have a different team. Um, I got Atlanta jumping back up. So do Atlanta's I. Atlanta's been playing some good baseball. They played Arizona, who is now first in the NL West. Mm-hmm. They took two out, two out of three from them. They put it on the Mets last night after uh, um, coming back from being down. So I've got Atlanta jumping back up. I do too. I have. I think we have the same top five, man, in the same order. We do have the same top five. Yes. So let's just list them off. I got Atlanta third, Houston fourth, and who's in fifth? Baltimore. Baltimore so, fell a little bit. Yeah, Baltimore, my reasoning is they were 4-6 and six in the last 10 games. Their plus-29 run differential is not as good as the teams I have ahead of them. Houston's a plus-61 run differential. That's the fourth best in baseball. The Braves is the best in the NL, third best in baseball. The Braves beat a very solid Arizona team. Houston continues to rack up wins. They're playing better. They're the reigning World Series champions. That's where they're in fourth. Baltimore still has the second best, or is it the second or third best, third best record in baseball. It's just they they haven't looked as impressive as of late. Um, right. I think they're the they're they're they are the team that could fall off pretty quickly with a young team that they have. Yeah. They don't have mm-hmm. overpower overpowering pitching. Mm-mm. They've got a young team, um, still waiting for Gunnar Henderson to come around. When he I does, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I yeah. think the Orioles are the most in danger as we get deeper into the season. The season is long. Mm-hmm. to start falling off yep my sixth team uh takes a two spot jump i have arizona diamondbacks in sixth they are the leader in the al or the nl west um they're 17 and 15 versus teams above 500 now the one pumping my brakes even though they've gone seven and three in their last 10 games they only have a plus 24 run different differential which isn't as impressive as some of the other teams in the nl mm-hmm. but still they're playing good baseball. They lead the NL West. They need to get their flowers. So I flip flop my I've I have them as seventh, and for okay. the reason that they went one and two against Atlanta. If they could have took one more from Atlanta, I would have pushed them up to six past my sixth team. Oh, I'm sorry, seventh team, who is the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees took two from LA, mm-hmm. who LA was. Has been up there in the top five or six for our for I think both our power rankings. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so the fact that the Yankees took two of three from them and Arizona only went one of three against Atlanta, I pushed New York one above Arizona. I'm giving the Yankees a little bit of a hit because they lost to the White Sox last night, who are actually playing very, <laughs> very, very good baseball as a late. Hey, we've got Bailey who's making a. Is this her podcast debut? Maybe I don't know. This I think is Bailey. so. Uh, Bailey on YouTube, uh, go check her out. Bailey the pup. She's been in a one of those cones for the last couple of days because it's oh, been a rough, no. rough couple of weeks here in the uh, old spinner spinner household. She uh, she had a foot issue, um, but. Uh, yes, I went with Yankees seven, um, just because their run differential plus forty one. So it's better than Arizona, but they're five hundred or just about versus teams that are five hundred better. Arizona has a little bit better of a winning percentage versus the higher winning percentage teams. It's it's kind of I think they could be flip flopped a little bit. Arizona seven and three in their last Close. ten. Yankees six and four in their last ten. So I I kind of went with that. On, uh, How much on do you win. love seeing? The Dodgers not in first place in that division. It's it's fun. It's, it's <laughs> it is cool. fun. I love and it. It was fun to watch them lose yesterday in pretty amazing <laughs> fashion in the ninth inning, uh, where Caleb Ferguson just couldn't find home plate, uh, and that's the reason the Reds came back. My eighth team is the Dodgers. They've lost three in a row, but they still have the most runs in the National League. Their winning percentage versus five hundred teams is not that great, fourteen and fifteen, but still. They're a juggernaut, and they've got the most runs in the NL, so that tells you something. So my next team, I have the Dodgers 10th for the reason of they've lost three in a row. Mm-hmm. They're, on a, they're on a losing streak. Um, my my team at what, eighth is this? Mm-hmm. Is the Miami Marlins, who have won eight of their last 10 and are on a five-game winning streak. I will stop you there. They're my 10th team, so they're in my top 10. <laughs> Their five-game winning streak is against who? <laughs> Oakland and Kansas City. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I know we said earlier this year you got to play the teams that are on your schedule, but when you've got five games against literally the two worst teams in baseball, you, you better, better be four and one or five and zero. Oh. Yes, and they did such. The only reason I have the Dodgers ahead of them is because the Marlins' run differential is still minus twenty-nine, which is terrible. 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 And they've only scored 248 runs, which I think is the second lowest amount in the National League. So their offense is terrible. Their pitching staff is terrible. great. Their pitching staff is very good. But their offense, I, I have them in 10th because they deserve to be up there. They jumped seven spots in my rankings. They're up to 10th from 17 last week. But yeah, it's against the A's and the Royals and not being able to score runs. I just can't. I just can't have you at eighth. I have you in the top ten, though. I think we yeah. both have the same number nine team. Right, and that is the Toronto Blue Jays, who mm-hmm. swept the Mets last week and are currently one and one in their series against Houston. So they took one against Houston. Yeah, thirty-four and um, twenty-eight coming into play today. So again, we're putting the caveat: this is for June seventh, as of two thirty in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time. Um, Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's our top 10 Toronto. I mean, 34 and 28 and you're in fourth place in the division, nine and a half games back. That would be leading the AL central by two and a half games. That would be, I mean, it's still pretty far back in the AL. West. Blue Jays are five and one and there's six games in June. Yep. And they're 22 and 22 versus teams at or above 500, which is, 
I mean, that entire AL East, man. The the Boston Red Sox are 31-30 and 30 in dead last by 12 games, and they still would be tied for AL Central first place with the the Minnesota Twins. Right. And so they're going to, they, they would miss the wild card, even though they have a better record than all of AL Central. Yep. Yep. Insane. In- so, hint, hint, Insane. you could see uh, as soon as baseball expands, they change to two leagues, I bet. Yeah. I remember you saying that a couple of weeks ago, saying we may be seeing it. it then that's what it was back in the day, right? The, the top team in each league was the one who made the playoffs and then ended up going to the World Series. But uh, that's our power rankings. Real quick, uh, we don't have to dive too much into it. What team that's in fir- not in first right now in their division do you think wins their division? Man, I saw this in the notes, and I think Tampa's going to win their division. I think Texas is going to finally dethrone Houston. I, th- I think they will. I think it's going to be a battle, but I think Texas will dethrone them. Atlanta's going to win their division. Milwaukee, um, if the Reds continue like they could, they could win it. But this is this could be one that I could argue that the Reds aren't in first and they will win mm-hmm. their division. But the strongest one that they're not in first, I think Cleveland will win the division over Minnesota. It could. I mean, their offense has been trash. They need to come around. Minnesota's pitching is going to be the thing that keeps them in it. I think that's a good one. I mean, the Dodgers, I think, probably end up – my my guarantee was probably the Houston Astros. I don't know how long Texas can keep this up. But with the plus 155 run differential, I don't know, man. <laughs> you just continue to pummel and beat down teams, and you don't have to worry about pitching, especially with DeGrom out. Man, that's yeah. insane. 386 I still, runs. I still need my bold prediction of the Dodgers missing the playoffs. That's, yes, what that's, that's, that's what you're rooting for. <laughs> yes. But you thought the Padres were going to be the one to unseat him. I Boy, did they think that's disappointing. Yes. Worst batting average in the majors. Un- oh. Worse than Oakland. Yes. And they, they're still a plus nine run differential, but they've only scored 248 runs, which is tied for the Marlins for the second least in the NL. The only mm-hmm. team in the... Actually, in the NL, that that is the worst. They both have the worst. Uh, Milwaukee's o- Milwaukee's only scored two forty five. Oh, two forty five. Yep, there it is. And they're in first place. Yep. Yeah, and they've got, they're in first place <laughs> with a minus twenty run differential. What is going on? Yeah, insane, insane. But that has been it for episode twenty eight of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. Thank you for joining in. If you're looking for more of us on social media, go check us out. YouTube, you're watching us here. Go follow us, subscribe to us. At Barrels and Barrels Pod, we're putting out more and more exclusive content that you can only see there. Uh, pretty good stuff, too, I think. So go check out those videos. Instagram at Barrels and Barrels Pod. That's where you can also find us on Facebook at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. And you can email us, Barrels and Barrels at gmail.com. We just got more stickers. We've got t shirts that we're selling as well. So if you want t shirts, there you go. Michael's got his right there. I've got a couple t shirts. If you really want a hat, we'll put you on a list for hats. We'll yeah. eventually put an order in for hats. Hats, maybe? Hats, stickers, uh, maybe some glassware down the pike. I don't know. Ooh. Something along those lines. If we if we get enough interest, we will do some, some glassware for y'all out there as well. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio Podcast. That's where you can find us. Please rate us, review us. Michael, where can we find you on social media? You go everywhere and just search for BNB underscore Burns. My face will pop up. Even on Facebook? Click that follow button. 
No, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, I'm Michael Burns. Yeah, yeah, it'd be tough to find me. Yeah, it'd be tough to find <laughs> B un, BNB underscore Burns on Instagram and Twitter. I am at whiskey underscore weather on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter, WXSpinner89. That has been it for episode 28, the Burt by... That has been hey, it Bert. for episode 28. Wish you wouldn't hit me, Burt. <laughs> Rubber ducky, <laughs> you're the one. <laughs> so the Burt Blylevin episode, episode number 28. Yeah, Thank you for listening as always. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode and go give Journeyman Distillery, corsets, whips, and whiskey a try. Tasty. Good stuff. Tasty. Full wheat, 100% wheat. Wheat. Michael Burns. I, I didn't take that long to say that. Yeah. <laughs> It's an hour and 17 minutes into the podcast, and it took us that long to go. Wait. We get that's a demerit for both of us. Both of us. That's one dollar to kangaroo court. So that takes me up to five dollars. Michael Burns, you owe one dollar to our whiskey fund. All right. All right. Stay tuned. We'll have more bourbon whiskey reviews, maybe just solo shows there. Bourbon 101. At some point, we're going to do that. Uh, And then we've got interviews down the pike. They're on their way. Uh, We're going to have some more chats with some cool distilleries and some cool people in the whiskey and baseball world. So keep looking for that. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been episode 28 of Barrels and Barrels, of bourbon and baseball podcast, where our high heat and high proof. Is it high proof or high heat? Do you remember what it is? High proof and high heat. That's right. That's right. Where our proof is high, but our heat is higher. No, I'm just adding to it. Let's roll with it, baby. Yeah, let's roll with it. Michael Burns, do you have anything for our friends, family, viewers, listeners, friends, anybody just tuning in? Passerbys. Bourbon and baseball, let's go.